Kudu here. Listen to Safari. Bits and bites from the bush. Wilderness wise with eco training. Hi, I'm, I'm Russell Crossy again, and I've been guiding in the area for a number of years. And it was uh, interesting to sit up here and look at this view around us as we talked about ancient history and the, the human connection in the area. And we're going to carry on with that discussion now and into a more modern stage of, of history in the area where we start to talk about the um, Rhodes' intervention in the area, Cecil John Rhodes, uh, leading us into the Anglo-Boer War. Again, the Thule block area, Mashati area, was instrumental in, in a lot of the later political issues around uh, Southern Africa. During the colonial period, none of the other countries, the colonial powers, the European powers, showed much interest in Botswana. So Botswana was left alone. Because it didn't have the obvious natural resources that surrounding countries like Namibia and Angola and South Africa had, those countries were quickly snapped up by the colonial powers uh, where they could get natural resources from, they could get cheap labor from to fuel the industrial revolution in Europe. Uh, Botswana was ignored because it was essentially just looked like a dry desert area uh, where there was not much natural resources. And that's one of the many reasons why Botswana today is such a peaceful country because the people don't have that anger, they don't have that bitterness from colonial sort of hangover and, and the bad treatment they received during the colonial era. Botswana was pretty much left at peace to develop itself. Though at one stage, at, at a later stage, uh, a great a politician and mining man by the name of Cecil John Rhodes recognized that there possibly was diamond and minerals in Botswana. And he started to consider annexing Botswana, Bechuana land, to the British South Africa Mining Company. Fortunately for Botswana, they had a very wise chief at the time, a chief by the name of Kama, Kama the Great. He was the king of the Bamangawato, the biggest tribe in Botswana. And King Kama recognized the great danger of the mining companies coming to the area. One of the strategies the mining companies would use would be to feed the local chiefs alcohol, to get them addicted to alcohol. And of course, once these chiefs were under the influence of alcohol, they were very easy to manipulate. The mining companies would then uh, simply offer them as much alcohol as they, as they wanted in return for them signing a piece of paper and handing over their land effectively. And the poor chief would wake up the next morning with a terrible hangover, uh, lots of brandy, but no more land. He had signed his land away in his drunken stupor. And that was um, a real danger that Kama recognized. Uh, and when Rhodes started to eye the area out for diamond mining, Kama was very clever in approaching Queen Victoria and begging Queen Victoria to grant Bechuana land protectorate status. Uh, he did this by convincing the Queen that the Boers and the Germans had designs on this territory and that if the Boers or the Germans annexed the area, it would affect Queen Victoria's dreams of creating a massive empire throughout Africa. Uh, he was very, very clever in the way he convinced the Queen that the Boers and the Germans were a great threat to her plans. Uh, and he convinced her to declare Bechuan land as a British protectorate. So again, Botswana was never colonized. It, it then fell under British protection, which was a, a much less invasive means of rule than the colonial powers were employing in neighboring countries. Kama was very clever in this way in that he headed off Rhodes' threats, Rhodes' advances. Uh, at the same time, he didn't want to totally alienate Rhodes. He knew that Rhodes wanted to build a railway line through the area to connect the Cape to Cairo. So he went back to Rhodes and he said, well, you know, sorry for, um, you know, that you're not going to be able to mine in our country, but you are welcome to use our territory to build your railway line. And Kama was very clever because in allowing Rhodes to build a railway line through this area, that would also then create a buffer between the aggressive Boer country next door, 
who the Botswana feared and the um, rest of the Botswana people. So by having the British control the strip of land that would be in the British interest to keep the Boers from attacking uh, neighbouring Botswana land. So that was the idea, was to create a buffer by giving them some of Botswana land in order to promote their interests over the Boer aggression. The Cecil John Rhodes came into this very area and there's a hill just over this ridge, a famous, beautiful hill called Mamagwa, which uh, has got a huge baobab on the, on the end and a fabulous view over the area. And if one studies the baobab carefully, you'll clearly see uh, Cecil John Rhodes' signature. He carved his signature into this baobab, as well as his military adjutant and as well as the police escort, the Bichuan Land Protectorate Police that were with him. All of these um, signatures are clearly carved into this baobab. So one gets this wonderful sense of history, the fact that this great imperialist stood on this hill and surveyed the area and he then subsequently realized with the advice of his engineers that the area was totally unsuitable to building a railway. If you, if you look at the area, it's a semi-arid area, but it is prone to flash flooding. So it would be difficult to bridge all the different drainage lines and hills and valleys. It would be an engineering nightmare. So he decided to build his railway line further to the north. Uh, and subsequently, after that, Britain and, and the Boers came to blows and the Anglo-Boer War broke out. Uh, and this area again was drawn into that conflict. The Boers had a detachment in the area whose mission was to blow up the British railway line. Um, so we see again the rocks being used in this area during that conflict. The Boers and the British often would uh, hide behind these uh, ready-made stone walls in the various engagements that they had with each other. So various hills we'll find rocks that were originally placed there by the Iron Age people thousands of years ago, later modified by the uh, more modern Bantu people in their internecine struggles, again being moved by the British and the Boers to build uh, bunkers against each other in their war. So the concept of the, the rocks are always speaking to us in this area. Remember how we spoke earlier about the fact that if you trace human beginnings back molecularly, we ourselves rose from these very rocks and then used the same rocks to defend ourselves uh, against each other. So I find all of these connections very fascinating uh, and, and going right through the, the history of humanity in this area up to modern day history where the Boers and the British fought each other uh, in the area. So we find behind some of these sangars and stone walls that were built by the British and Boers, we still find uh, ammunition and uh, shell cases. So one can imagine the violence and the shells uh, um, singing around as the forces engaged each other. Uh, and there is constantly the sense of history and antiquity as one walks through the area. And it's wonderful to see today the area being set aside as a conservation area. It was set aside as a farming area initially. Again, they found it was just too tough for farming. The rainfall is so unreliable. Uh, it's prone to flooding. The, the soils are very coarse and in most cases very fragile, prone to erosion and not a lot of nutrients. So it was unsuitable for cattle. And yet it's totally suitable for wildlife, which has evolved under these conditions over millions of years. So the wise decision was ultimately made to set aside the area as a game park, as a game reserve. Um, initially it was a hunting area and then later set aside as a photographic safari area, which is really a dream come true. This beautiful chunk of Africa preserved today for travelers to come and enjoy and tourists to come and enjoy and bask in this history, not only the history uh, human history of the area, but the natural history, the fact that we have the whole range of big game in the area. We have huge, sizable herds of elephant in the area, beautiful rivers and uh, savannah ecosystems. And now the talk of, of creating, uh, the plan to create a massive transfrontier park in the area where, where South Africa, uh, Botswana and Zimbabwe all cooperate because the park 
lies or that the ecosystem lies within all three of those countries. And the dream is to extend the boundaries of this massive area and with cooperation between the three benefiting countries uh, to the benefit of the people of all of those regions. So it's just getting better and better and better. And uh, it, it, it's all written in, in the stones, it's written in the rock walls, it's written in the shells that we pick up and uh, in the very blood of, of the animals and ourselves, these connections that we, we find woven through, throughout Mashati. For more audio safaris, visit kuduhere.com.